welcome and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. In this week's message, the Archbishop examines the life of David and gives revelational insight on aligning your life with God through life's challenges and how to recognize and overcome every demonic plot of the enemy. For greater knowledge in enforcing the promises of God in prayer, secure your copy of the Archbishop's book, Enforcing Prophetic Decrees, Volume 2. Buy your copy today at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of deliverance for you. Be empowered as you listen. Faith or jealousy? Tell somebody, faith or jealousy, there is no middle ground. That's it. That's it. 1 Corinthians 3.3. 1 Corinthians 3.3. You see, I'm born again. So what? You still live in the flesh. You are born again, but you can still be jealous. You are born again, but if you don't live by the spirit, if you don't walk by faith and live by faith, you will be carnal. You fall into the trap of the enemy. And the devil can use you. Yeah. The English Standard Version says, For you are still of the flesh. You are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy he and says, strife among you. That's it. Jealousy leads to strife. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Yeah. You are acting in a human way. You are acting like human being acts. But you are not just a human being. You are a spirit. You live in a body. You got to go past emotions and feelings. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day in Abidjan. And he said, Papa, Papa, how do you, how do you deal with betrayal? How do you deal with these things? And I said, you don't deal with it. You don't deal with it. It's not every battle you win by fighting. There are some battles you win by not fighting. And other battles do you win by fighting. The Bible says, answer not the fool, lest you become like a fool. Then another time, the same Bible says, answer the fool. Did you, did you hear what I said? The Bible says, answer not the fool or a fool. Don't answer them. Then the same Bible another time says, answer the fool. What does it mean? There is time for everything. You have to find out what is God's prescription for the situation and for the occasion. What is the medication? What has God prescribed? There's a, there's a divine prescription to deal with affliction and I'm telling you hear me and hear me out if you don't go God's way the enemy can take you out and you won't even know what took you out come with me to Genesis Genesis 4 2 to 8 faith or jealousy no middle ground tell somebody is either faith or jealousy there is no middle ground. Take it or leave it. It is what it is. Tell somebody, it is what it is. 
Go ahead. And she again bare his brother Abel. Uh -huh. And Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Uh -huh. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. Fat thereof. Firstling. Fat thereof. The best. Mm -hmm. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Mm -hmm. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth. Very angry. And his countenance fell. Turn to somebody and say, why are you angry? <laughs> say, why are you angry with your brother? Why have your countenance fallen? Yeah. You see, in the, in, in, in the, in the olden days, they don't allow people who serve the king to come before the king if your countenance has fallen. Yeah. There are some people among my staff, I don't like seeing them at certain times. As soon as I see their face, I know something is wrong. I tell them, take some time off. Go home. Don't come and infect me with your coronavirus. Yeah. A lot of people are carrying coronavirus. They are carrying all kinds of viruses. You look at their face, they walk into your office, you see the virus of depression. If you don't block it, it will infect you. Yeah. But this kind of virus, the thing will infect you and go into your blood and you don't even know it's there. And suddenly you begin to get depressed yourself and you don't know where it came from. You've been infected. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth and why is thy countenance falling? He said, Why? Why are you angry? What's wrong? And God told him what he should do. He, he said, you are angry because you haven't done right. The way you went about your offering is not accepted. It's not every offering that is accepted to God. Just because you gave an offering don't mean God accepts it. God has standards. He has requirements and demands. And he has protocol. It's not every offering you bring that is acceptable to God. I'm telling you. So God said you brought an offering. But the way you went about it. And the offering itself does not please me. I have no respect for your offering. Because you yourself don't respect it. It means nothing to you. So it means nothing to me. Go ahead. If thou doest well. Shall thou not be accepted? Mm -hmm. And if thou doest not well. Sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall it shall be his desire. Uh -huh. And thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Look, look at this guy Cain. Eh? Abel gave a more excellent offering by faith. Say by faith. And if he gave by faith then he had something because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he gave by hearing from God what God wanted and what God requires and expects of him. Listen, whatever we have is his. And every now and then he will require specific amounts. He will require specific things from you and I, of which is in our power to do. And he said, I've given you all things. The cattle on a thousand hill is mine. The silver and the gold are mine. This is what I require of you at this particular time. I want a lamb. He had and he acted in faith. Ken just did whatever he pleased and wanted to do. There are people who serve God on their own terms. 
They serve God the way they, you can't serve God with the way you feel. You don't serve God with how you feel and what you think. God has requirement. And hear me, God says what he means and he means what he says. God is not pleading with you and he's not making suggestions. He commands. He's a king. He commands. So watch this. He was came angry with his brother and even with God because his brother pleased God, had acceptance with God he didn't have. And God said, Cain, if you do right, you have acceptance like your brother Abel. This guy was not willing to sacrifice a lamb, but he was willing to sacrifice his brother. Jealousy is the spirit of murder. And selfishness is the mother of jealousy. And jealousy does not stop until it spills blood. If you don't know, I'm telling you. It can get you. I'm telling you. I have to guide my height all the time. I was telling them in the first service that when I moved here 30 years ago from ShopRite to Sakumono Junction, there was not one church. Today, on the Spring Church Room, across this place here, we have over 400 churches, charismatic churches. And every one of them, if you go there, you'll see a member from Action there. Then East Legon, we have over 200 churches at East Legon. When I came here, there was nothing nowhere, nothing. And from this church alone, we have over four churches on the Spring Test Road, and we have over 48 branches in Accra alone, and they all came from this branch here. Can you imagine if everybody was here, how many services I'll be having on Sunday morning? But who cares? Who cares? I'm not going to worry myself about that. Let them all save souls. If the motive for which they are doing it is wrong, God will judge. It's between them and God. I am not the judge. The Bible says, let no man judge anyone until the coming of the Lord. For when he comes, every man's work shall come to the light. Then shall every man receive praises of the Lord. So I'm not going to try and sit in judgment over anybody. I don't care what their motive is, whether they are doing ministry for money or for fame, it's none of my business. Let them do what they are doing. I'm also doing what God calls me to do. It's just a matter of time. When the master comes, who knows? Come on, put your hands together. So look at Ken. He was not willing to do right by God. He wasn't willing to sacrifice a lamb. But he didn't care to slay his brother. He didn't care to shed the blood of his brother. He didn't care. And that is what jealousy does. It pushes you to the point where you spill blood before it is satisfied. Because jealousy is never satisfied. And it's a spirit. It's a spirit that drives you and justifies why you should feel the way you are feeling. Ken had no business being angry with Abel. No business being angry. That's what jealousy does. You are angry with someone, a loved one, not because of anything they've done. You have no justification, but the enemy convinces you that you are right about the way you feel and that the only way 
you can justify the way you feel is to spill blood. And let me tell you something here. I realize, ladies and gentlemen, that most times, jealousy will kill your divine helpers and will kill your deliverer. So at the day of need and at the day of trouble, when you need a divine helper and you need a deliverer, you have yourself been used by the devil to kill your deliverer. Let me explain it to you. You remember David. David. David was a mighty warrior. He slew a lion and a bear with nothing in his hands. Nothing in his hands. He, he, he handled a bear and a lion. He slew them and delivered the lamb out of their hands. David found himself at the backside of the desert. It was believed in those days that David was born out of wedlock. And the dad was embarrassed and ashamed of adding him to his kids when the prophet came to the house. And he felt like David wasn't qualified. You know, God, God does not call the qualified. He calls the unqualified and he qualifies you. Are you hearing me? Because if God calls the qualified, I won't be standing here preaching to you. Are you hearing me, somebody? It is not him that willeth, nor him that wants, but God that showeth mercy. Somebody, put your hands together. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. It's not about who is qualified. It's not about being smart or who is anointed than who. That is not it. It is God that showeth mercy. That's all that it is. See, I hear you. So David was disqualified. He was kept at the backside of the desert. The youngest among them all. And the eldest, the macho men, the ones with strength, who were in the army, who should have been at the backside of the desert to protect the family business were in town. And they put the young boy the youngest to stay at the backside of the desert with the lions and with the bear. But that was necessary to prepare him to kill Goliath. Because until you kill a lion and a bear, you don't have the audacity and the courage to kill a giant. Put your hands together, somebody. God said, David, David, you are destined to kill a giant, but I have to take you through the process and I have to develop an audacity in you, a fearless spirit, a heart and a courage of that of a lion that you are not afraid of dying, that you can confront every adversary and I will train you not in the city, but in the desert. And when you come to town, you will not be afraid of anyone in town because you've been prepared in the desert. Hear me. People who kill giants in town were always trained at the backside of the desert. Before Moses could kill and could withstand the serpent and the beast of Egypt 
God took him to the backside of the desert. Before Jesus began his ministry, he went to the wilderness. And when he came to town, he had the upper hand because he had already dealt with the beast in the wilderness. Those of you who think the breakthrough is in the city is not. Before you can withstand the adversary in town, you have to go to the backside of the desert. Somebody put your hands together and give him praise. So David came to town. They gave him food to go serve the brothers. When he got to the field, he saw this giant, an uncircumcised Philistine, huge, fierce, and everyone was intimidated. Everyone was afraid for their lives. But David had killed a lion and a bear with his hand, with nothing. And he said, hey, me, I'm not afraid of losing my life. The other day, at the backside of the door, there was nobody there. I was all alone. And a lion and a bear came. And with nothing in my hand, I caught them and I finished them. Goliath, who do you think you are? Hear me. By the time he finished with Goliath, the women began to sing his song. They said, Saul, has slain his thousands, but David his ten thousands. When Saul heard that, then the people around him began to say, Your Excellency, the guy is taking your glory. Your hey, Excellency, if you don't finish this guy, next election you won't have it. He's taking your glory. Did you hear what the women are saying? They said, You have killed a thousand, he has killed ten thousand. You have to finish this guy. He's an enemy. You see, the devil is a long-term planner. The devil knew that David was his divine helper. And David would become his deliverer one day. Because whenever there was war and attack, the king will call David to go fight. And David always won the battle for him. So the enemy said, this young man David will become a deliverer one day for the king and I have to finish this guy. So let me put jealousy in his heart. Let me get him to pursue David now. Let me get him to kill David. So at the day and at the time when he will need David's help, David will not be there for him and I can finish him. He's a long-term planner. So watch this. If you are clapping, go ahead and clap. So watch this. There were 24 assassination attacks on the life of David by Saul. And yet, Saul was the friend of his son Jonathan. Saul was a kid. And instead of him to be a father, to father this young man, he opened himself up to the spirit of jealousy to enter him. And as I said, jealousy will never rest till he spills blood. He started having all kinds of ideas about David. Became petty. And tried everything. Set his eye on David to assassinate the young man. To the point where, watch this. The demons of jealousy began to torment him. 
that he couldn't sleep. He was so tormented and harassed by this demon that he took the same David he wanted to kill to come and play and sing for him for the demons to leave him alone. You, you, didn't hear, you didn't hear that one. If you heard it, you clap better. You didn't hear it. He was restless. He had insomnia. He took all the sleeping pills and he couldn't sleep. He was sweating in winter and in snow. Tortured, emotionally, mentally harassed. Because of jealousy. And David was not interested in becoming king. He knew his time would come. What he was seeking to kill David for, David didn't want it. David was just happy fighting and killing the Philistines and killing Goliath and killing a lion and a bear for his country and for his king. He was just proud to kill enemies for the king and marry the king's daughter. That was all for him. For him, that was enough. But the people around the king, you see, leaders, they must be careful. Leaders have to be very, very careful about people around us. I hear things, though. Oh, I hear things. There was a time when I was in America, people used to come and say, watch Bishop James. Bishop James, Papa, you got to watch the guy. He wants to take your church from you. He, he wants to move Jericho Hour to, what do you call it, uh, that stadium, Ewak. Bishop James had some plans. He's undermining you. So I called Bishop, I said, Bishop James, they said you have some plans. You're undermining me, is it true? He said, Papa. I said, I'm just asking you, I've just heard it. Then when I come to town, the people will come to me and say, Papa, now that you are in, you have to watch, oh, sit down, watch. Bishop James is a very dangerous man. Oh. I said, okay. So I will call them and I'll call Bishop James. And I said, Bishop James, Pastor Soso and so said, you are dangerous. Pastor, you said Bishop James is undermining me. Bishop James, behold, your accusers, defend yourself. If you know the things, if you know the things I hear, I hear things, oh, and I know things. I'm telling you. Sometimes eh, people look at me and they think, they think I'm naive. They think I don't see. They think I don't hear. I hear a lot. And I see a lot. But I've also learned that things I hear and things I see most times are not things I should do anything about. Nothing. It's just good to know the awareness is enough. I don't have to say anything. You know, years ago, I was in London and Bishop James was the resident pastor at my father's house. So he preached a message. And there was something about the message I didn't like. Right there at the car park, somebody called me and said, have you heard what Bishop James preached? And I said, yes, I've heard it. I didn't say anything. Many years after, I don't know if you remember, we were in my office and I told Bishop James, I said, Bishop, you remember? So, so and so in my father's house. I told him here. He said, when did I saw the same day you preached it, I was told. He said that you didn't say anything all these years. And I said, yes, I don't have to say anything. I just want you to know the day I heard it. And I've kept it with me all these years watching you.
As a leader, you hear things. And it's not everything you hear that you must act on or you must react. It's just good to know. And you do your own due diligence. Among my staff, security people, this one come and say, Papa, be careful of this one. This one, Papa, be careful of it. Papa, Papa. And I watch them all and I say, all of these guys, they are shegelelis. They are chukis. They have ministries of chuking one another. And I just watch them and they don't know they've lost their respect with me. But that is one thing I don't like. And sometimes I tell, do you have proof and evidence? If you have proven evidence, bring it. I'll look into it. But, and then sometimes I realize that they have issues with that person and they don't know how to fight the person. So they come and hide behind him, choking the person to me to deploy my power to destroy the person. And I say, I don't work for anybody but God. Watch this. So Saul went after David. To the point where David had to run away for his life and stay away from Saul. But it was a plan against Saul's own life. The young man he pursued to kill and to assassinate was his deliverance, his deliverer, and his divine helper. And there came a day where Saul had to go to war. He had to go to battle with his son Jonathan. And David was in there. David was needed. And I'm telling you, if David was at that battle, Saul wouldn't have died prematurely. Jonathan wouldn't have died. But the devil is a long-time planner. He planned the thing to make sure that on that day, for that particular battle, which was very critical in the life of Saul, where he would need David, David would not be there. And he used Saul himself to self-distract and self-sabotage. That the day when David was needed, he wasn't there. I pray for you. I pray for you that you will not kill your divine helpers. That you will not spill the blood of your deliverer. That in the day of trouble and need, whoever you need on that day to help you will not be destroyed because most times the devil uses us to destroy our helpers so when you need them you see the, and this enemy we are dealing with uh, he's smart when I hear people underestimating the, the devil's intelligence I have no respect for you the Bible calls him the old serpent he's older than you are you hearing me somebody now, look at another example. Come with me to, come with me to Genesis, Genesis 37. And I want you to start from 18, 19 to 20. Genesis 37, look at something. And when they saw him afar off. And when they saw him. And when they saw him. You see, a lot of people, a lot of people afar off have noticed you. Yeah. Some of you, you don't know that you've been noticed. You think you're minding your own business. You think, oh, me, I'm just minding my own business. I'm just trying to get my life together. You are joking. Somebody have noticed you and seen you and set their eyes on you afar off. You are not close yet, but they can see the star coming. 
they can see that you are a star and they want to take you down. Go ahead. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them. Before, before, before you became anything. Before you become anything. You haven't yet arrived. Yeah. And these are not outsiders. These are insiders. These are brethren. They've seen your star and your glory afar off. Go ahead. They conspired against him there to are slay people him. conspiring against you. Lift up your hands. Say in the name of Jesus. Any group of people conspiring against me and this house, whoever they are, wherever they are, in the name of Jesus, let them be arrested as I put my hands together. Let them be arrested. 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 Let them be arrested. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let them be arrested. In the name of Jesus, Amen. And they said one to another, they behold, said one to another, this dreamer cometh. Behold the dreamer. You know the problem is not you. The problem is your dream. The problem is the vision. The problem is what you are carrying. The Bible says. In the book of Revelation, that, that the dragon stood before the woman, waiting to devour the child as soon as she delivered the child. So the dragon wasn't interested in the woman. The dragon was interested in the child. It's your dream the enemy is looking for. He's looking for your testimony. He wants you to serve God without a testimony. He wants to discredit you. So you are serving God, but you don't have a testimony. But the devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. Somebody say, I'm not losing my testimony. Say, I will not lose my testimony. In the name of Jesus. I will not lose my relevance in life and in God. Say yes. Watch it. Come now therefore and let us slay him. Uh -huh. And cast him into some pit. You see, this is their own brother. And I told you, jealousy is not satisfied till he spills blood. They said... Let's go after him. Let's finish him. What has he done? This was not outsiders. These are his own flesh. Flesh of his flesh. Bone of his bone. They wanted to slay their own brother. Spill their brother's blood. And yet, watch this. The person they were trying to kill was their divine helper. He was destined to preserve them in the future and yet they wanted to kill him murder is not when you physically take the lives of people but murder can be character assassination you can discredit people implicate people set people up lie about people and not just anybody your loved ones look at Absalom turning on his father David his own dad. He wanted David killed because he wanted the throne before time. The throne shouldn't have gone to Solomon. It went to Solomon because Absalom disqualified himself. He disqualified himself to take something that was his before time. He wanted to have it his own way on his own terms and God said, no way. If you want to take it from your dad, 
by discrediting and destroying him, I will make sure you don't have it. I will give it to one born out of wedlock, Solomon. Make no mistake. Make no mistake. Concerning these issues at stake and concerning the matters we are dealing with and confronting, make no mistake. God will have the last word. Put your hands together. For who is he that saith the thing and it cometh to pass when the Lord God commanded it not? For there is no imagination against the Lord. Are you hearing me, somebody? The counsel of the Lord is a stand. Somebody put your hands together. Shout yes. Shout yes. Shout yes. Go ahead. And we will say some evil beasts have devoured him. Uh -huh. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. That's the whole thing. We'll see. See what? What shall become of his dream? What shall become of his audacity and confidence? What shall become of his boasting? When you are confident, they say you are boasting. That's the society we live in. Yeah. We don't like confident people. We don't like brilliant people. We see them as enemies. His own brethren. And when they've sold him out, years after, many, many, many years after, there was farming in the land. They had money, but there was no food. They were dying. Nations were dying. And everybody had to go to Egypt to buy, to buy food. And when they came into Egypt, Joseph saw them, but they didn't recognize him, but he recognized them. And he said to them, I am Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. And they started shaking. Some were dancing Panlogo. Some were dancing Agbada. Some were dancing High Life. And Joseph said, I've come of age. I understand what happened, that it wasn't you people. That it was your enemy that wanted to destroy me so that in the day that you needed help, I wouldn't be there to help you. And I have forgiven you. I don't hold it against you. You see, if people know, if people know the outcome of what they are doing, they won't do it. That's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Listen. If you know the amount of betrayers I deal with, and I still relate to people, and most of them they don't even know, I know that they don't like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Abidjan a few days ago. Came back yesterday. And a guy came to see me. He's a man of God. And I know he doesn't like me. Over the years. And he came to see me and before he came to see me, he had said some things to a, a friend of his who is my son. 
that Papa, I don't know what is it about this guy. He just didn't like him. I said, don't worry about it. It's not him. It's the enemy. And when he came, he came with that friend of his who is my son. And you should see the way he was praising me. And I said in my head, you don't have a choice. You don't, you have to praise me. Then after, he went on his knees and said, will you pray for me? And I prayed for him. I said, in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, remember your son for good and help him to do right by all. In the name of Jesus. I'm bigger than him. I'm bigger than him. So it would be petty for me to say that I hear you don't like me. What have I done to you? That is petty. Hear me. It doesn't matter what you do right in this world. There will always be some people who won't like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the human nature. So live with it. Accept it. Stop trying. Listen, stop trying to protect your image. You can't protect your image. I'm just telling you. Do you know they said Jesus Christ, Mary Mandaline is Jesus' girlfriend. And they even said Mary Mandaline have children with Jesus. They've, they've, they've done a movie out of it. There's a movie done about Jesus and Mary Mandaline. A servant is not greater than his master. Who do you think you are? If they can do a movie out of Jesus, they are not afraid of God. And they've made a movie out of Jesus. And Mary Mandaline, you, you, are, you are not even a tilapia. So you have to stop trying to impress people. My, you don't have any reputation. Jesus had no reputation. If you want to serve God to the end, trust God with your reputation. Trust God with your image. That's it. Somebody said, that's it, that's it, that's it. If you are sensitive about your image, you see, there was a time in this nation, years ago, there was a newspaper that was on my case. Every week, you write something bad about me. So one time I said, Lord, what have I done to this guy? Why don't you deal with him? And he said, I'm not going to deal with him. You should deal with yourself. And I said, but what have I done? I haven't done anything. And he said, you are too sensitive about your reputation. And because you are sensitive about your reputation, I can't use you and I can't trust you. Because when I give you instructions, you are always thinking about what will happen, what will people say, so you don't obey me. You are walking in disobedience. So I've allowed him to straighten you out. The day you learn and you stop being sensitive about your reputation, he will stop. So, I said, okay, Lord, I surrender. I trust you with my reputation. He and I became friends. He stopped attacking me. We became friends. Then when we became friends, he was telling me the people behind some of the articles he was writing about me, people who were giving him information to write about me. In this city, he was telling me who they were. In this city. That they gave him information to write bad things about me so people would stop coming to my church and come to their church. He gave me all their names. And I confronted only one of them because he was pretending too much. 
So my human nature came out one day and I said, my friend, don't fool around. Hmm? You, you don't like me. He said, me, me. I mean, and I said, hey, don't go there. Osimasi said. He said, eh? I said, yes. I shouldn't have done it, but I was so much in the flesh at that time. My flesh was too strong. So I had to spill the thing. I felt bad about it anyway. We are friends now. I felt bad about it. But I, I know some of you, you are angels. You never do that. You always get it right. But, but me, sometimes my humanity comes out. Amen. So don't look at me without your angel look. Those of you who are angels here. Amen. But watch it. Can you imagine what would have happened to Joseph's brethren on that day and that season where there was famine and the only one who could preserve posterity and could preserve and keep them alive was the very guy they tried to kill. Turn to someone and say, who are you trying to kill? I know, you don't, I know you are not trying to kill anybody, but just tell, tell two people. Tell, tell them it's not me. It's Papa who says you actually. It's not me. Ask two people, who are you trying to kill? And now, now ask one more person, somebody different. Go to somebody and say, whose blood are you trying to spill? I'm true. I'm going to stop here. I'm true. Jealousy leads to strife. to anger and to murder. You don't need to kill anybody. You don't need to explain anything. You don't need to fight anything. God said, vengeance is mine. Uh, let me tell you, I want you to look at me. You know, when I was a young man, eh, when I was young in ministry, when I hear, so I used to pray some prayers. These days, I don't do that. I still pray some dangerous prayers, but it's not about people against me. I don't do that. Because I've come to realize over the years, eh, hear me carefully, that people are ignorant of the devices of the enemy. And I've really seen people coming against me, but in the process, they hang themselves. I've seen it. In-house and external. I've seen a lot of people. Powerful people who come against me because they think it's in their power to do it. And I've seen them in the process, they hang themselves. And now I've developed compassion for people, I'm telling you. When I see people undermine me, betray me, and come against me, I feel compassion for them. And I pray for them, I say, God, mercy, mercy, mercy. Because if they have eyes to see, they'll realize that the enemy has deployed them against themselves. And they'll realize that if there's anybody they need as an island and a friend, it's me, not an enemy. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You never know 
the value of this man until you are in some serious trouble. I'm telling you. I've seen God use me to rescue people, powerful, high places across nations. I'm telling you. Somebody went to a cocktail recently somewhere and all these head of states met and two head of states were told that that particular man and individual is from Ghana and the head of state asked him do you know Archbishop Duncan Williams and he said oh yes he's my papa and he said we need to connect with him we listen to him every Sunday and then the wife, one of the wives said, yeah, yeah, he's my papa also. And the guy called me and he said, papa, papa, Charlie, you are heavy. And I said, why? He said, Charlie, these guys talk to me. They want to connect with you. Should I give them your number? And I said, no, give them Bishop Isando's number. He's in charge of governmental issues. Let him deal with it. So I, I have compassion for people, I'm telling you. Before, I used to get hurt. But when I realized and see how the enemy can deploy people to hurt themselves, to attack their own divine helpers and deliverer, I've developed compassion for people that Satan can use you yourself to shoot yourself. So I just pray for people. God have mercy. Say mercy. And I, you know, before, before I went to Bible school, one of the promises the Lord gave me was this. And I didn't know it was in Genesis 12. He said, I will bless him that blesses thee and I will curse him that curses thee. That was a physical word God gave me. It was later when I began to read the Bible, I saw that it was in the Bible. That is one of the Abrahamic blessings. And I walk in it. And it works. I don't have to pray against you. I don't have to pray against you. I don't even have to quote it. You bless me, you are blessed. You curse me, you are cursed. Say, why? That is God's covenant with me. It's part of his covenant with me. You know what? Stand on your feet. I don't want to go deep into things today. I wanted to go into Lucifer and how he was jealous of God's throne and everything. But I don't want to get into all that. I think this is okay. Tell somebody... Faith or jealousy. There's no middle ground. It's simple. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books and messages, please visit MDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one one one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today and may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.